gotta get situated here. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm all situated. I got my blankie on my lap. I got my, my tea. I've got my candles going. I'm all set. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Dana uh, for a, another episode of the Every Which Way podcast. And I am very much excited because today I get to talk about a tool. But before I do that, I want to ask you all how you're doing. Have you been taking care of yourself? How was your week last week? Did you did you have some fun? Are there any are there any moments that that you'd like to share or anything like that? Because I'd like to know. My week was pretty good. I have nothing to complain about, so there's that. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of moving stuff around my my desk here. So if you hear any jingle jangling, wib wobbling, wobble jabbling, that's that's what it is. I hope you don't mind. Um, what are you guys drinking? Do you, are you do you have a nice cup of coffee? Some water? Do you have a nice a nice uh, uh, juice? And juice can stand for regular juice or mm, adult juice. You know, I have my uh, my container of water, but I also have some tea. It's um. I was at Sacred Moon Circle Apothecary today for the women's circle. And afterwards, I bought some tea. It's called Mama to Be Tea. Now, I am not a human mother. <laughs> that is, I don't have any human children, but I do have cat children. Um, but this tea isn't just good for pregnant women, but it's also good for women going through womenly issues like the blood which I currently have and it's been helping me so far. This is my second cup today and it has helped immensely with the cramps and the pain. So yeah, very good. And it's, and it's genuinely delicious too. So what am I going to be talking about today? Well, if you've read the title for the episode, then you already know I will be talking about the cauldron. Yeah, that's right. The cauldron. One of probably the most famous tools. Definitely most one of the most famous symbols for a witch. Uh, probably all over the world. Um, I will let you guys know that tr uh, trying to get some history on it was a little, a little tricky. Because... Uh, while I did get some good metaphysical stuff, um, trying to get a timeline was a little iffy, so my notes are going to be a bit jumbled. So I do apologize in advance. But, well, I, I did the best that I could. Mm, excuse me, I just burped a little bit. Um, joining me today is going to be my cat, Salem. Hi, Salem. Hey, baby. He... <laughs> I disturbed his nap. I'm sorry, bud. You can you can go you can go lay down. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But anyway, all right. Let's crack in. So the cauldron, according to the Cambridge English Dictionary, a cauldron is a large round container for cooking, usually supported over a fire, and it was used primarily in the past. 
Not that it's not still being used because a lot of people still use them today for cooking all over the world, but it was one of the main things in, uh, in the past. So the name cauldron kind of comes from a couple different places. Um, one of the terms, a Latin term was calderium, meaning cooking pot, pot and caldrius meaning hot. Um, also from the Anglo norm French cauderon, which is where the 14th century Middle English word cauldron originated from. Typically, they were hung over a fire or stand on three legs. Sometimes they would come with an adjustable hook or even attached to a chimney crane, which I thought was pretty cool. So, again, just a warning. My notes are kind of jumbled and all over the place. (laughs) Cauldrons have been around since about the first millennium BCE. So, these things are old. Probably one of the oldest cooking utensils, cooking tools that our species knows. And I think that that's, um, that that says a lot considering that they're, they're still around and used a good bit today, even. All right, let's see. I'm, I'm going to try to kind of put this in a cohesive timeline, but again, just bear with me. All right. So there were some cauldrons that were made out of ceramics while others were made out of metal. Uh, Some of the oldest ones were actually from prehistoric China. They were called, they were called dings, D-I-N-S. They had lids and two fancy handles and came in two shapes, round with three legs and rectangular with four legs. They were used for cooking, storage, and ritual offerings to ancestors and deities, which I thought was pretty cool that they came from you know, well, that the ancient Chinese cauldrons had two different shapes because typically cauldrons are round pot. One of the earliest late Bronze Age cauldron cauldrons dates back to 1100 to 1000 BCE and was found in the river Sherwell at Shipton on Sherwell, Oxfordshire, in the year 1928. So that one was a was an old boy, you could say. Going back to the other term for cauldron, chaldron, C H A L D O R R O N, sorry, is an obsolete spelling of cauldron. But it was also a unit of measurement for dry volume in old England. So there you go. Production began in the 12th century for, you know, mass producing cauldrons and continued until the 18th century. 
In England, cauldrons were manufactured in London, Bristol, Nottingham, Norwich, and Salisbury. People of all classes used cauldrons as the primary cooking container. So this is one of the very few things that no matter what your social status was, you had one of these. Wealthy people tended to have them in the kitchens, by their hearths and ovens, while the poor, who typically lived in single rooms, tended to only have just one. The going back to what they were made of during this time, again, ceramic and metal, the ones made of metal often had low levels of tin and high levels of lead. Yes, you heard that right. Lead. This made them quite brittle. And because of that, the legs would tend to break off due to oxidation, which was caused by the lead. For the wealthy, their cauldrons had higher levels of copper and tin, which allowed them to last longer. So, there is that. Let me see here. Okay. A few of the more notable cauldrons that have been discovered by archaeologists and studied include the Gundostrup cauldron from found in Gundostrup, Denmark. It was made in the 1st or 2nd century BCE. A Bronze Age cauldron well, that was found in Hassel, Sweden. Several ceremonial cauldrons from Urartu, an ancient Armenian state, and a cauldron where the Olympic flame was burned. So these things were all over Asia, the Middle East, the mainland Europe, as well as the British Isles. Some notable cauldrons in folklore include Dagda's cauldron, which is one of, was one of the four magical items brought to Ireland by the Tuatha de Danann, and it was said to never have a soul leave it unsatisfied. The cauldron of Drinwich, the giant, that one is what was one of the 13 treasures of the island of Britain from the 15th or 16th century wealth texts. And this particular cauldron could distinguish the brave man from the cowardly, and as a result, would either boil meat for a brave man or not boil meat for a coward. The Per de Deni from Welsh mythology was able to resurrect the dead. The cauldron of Hymir fetched by four for the Jotun. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing these things. I, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but I'm, I'm doing my best. And the cauldron of Bran the Blessed was one of resurrection and rebirth. According to some Roman authors, cauldrons were used in human sacrifices by the Druids and the Teutons, who were both ancient, but this may or may not be true. So take that with a grain of salt. Cauldrons, this, this next thing 
actually really surprised me. And when they think about it, it really shouldn't have, but cauldrons were commonly found at graves throughout Europe and Asia, which will make sense when we get into the metaphys. Not only that, but cauldrons were used as spiritual offerings in the British Isles and on the European continent proper. They were cast into lakes and marshes marshes prior to the common era, which I thought was really cool. One cauldron of particular note, a large bronze cauldron was found filled with hundreds of pieces of jewelry in a natural spring known as giant spring in what's now the Czech Republic due to a belief that a water deity resided there. It was a common place for rituals during the third century BCE. Sorry, I had to get situated. <laughs> the ancient Egyptian hieroglyph for woman is a pot or a cauldron, which I actually really like. There are some deities who also are associated with cauldrons. The um, oven in Baba Yaga's house is often compared to a cauldron of regeneration. One of the more famous deities who works with a cauldron is Caridwen. She is the keeper of the cauldron of knowledge, inspiration, and transformation. The cauldron is also one of the attributes of Hecate, which makes sense as she is the Greek goddess of witchcraft and a whole other things. And I'm not getting too deep into the... um who these deities are per se, because I plan on covering them all in future episodes. I promise you. I'm not just glossing them over just because I don't want to talk about them. That's not the case. I just want to dedicate, excuse me, an entire episode to these deities. Those are the three big ones of note, but there are others as well who are associated with or known to work with cauldrons, such as Circe, Demeter, Medea, and Persephone from Greek mythology. Also, as far as the male side, there is Kernunos, Odin, and Indra, as well as Ogun and Teutates as well. Not to mention Dagda and Bron the Blonde. Sorry about that pronunciation. <laughs> In, in Romani folklore, there are vampire ghosts called the Mulo. And in the folklore, baby Mulo are boiled in a cauldron every year by their compatriots in order to rejuvenate and invigorate them. Now, moving on to the more metaphysical not just the deity portion of it, but the cauldron, if it hasn't, oops, sorry, become kind of obvious, is a symbol of female energy, also of female reproductive, reproductivity. So that's partly why cauldrons are associated with birth, resurrection, transformation, rebirth, 
germination, and transmutation. Yeah, in case you didn't know, there you go. Now, I said partly. So what's the other reason why they're associated with those things? Well, that's because they are still used, not just for cooking these days, but also for actually creating potions and things like that. Cauldrons in witchcraft or in any spiritual practice are a tool that herbs can be mixed in, that things can be burned and, again, potions created. They are tools for banishment work, fire petitions, burning incense, and candle spells. I have a cast iron cauldron here, and uh, I got it about a year or two ago, and I primarily use mine for burning things. I like to, uh, whenever I want to release something or, like, cleanse a past trauma, something like that. I like to write it down and I'll take some of the uh, the little wooden incense sticks, the, the end which, and I'll uh, pile them in my little cauldron and I'll take it outside and I'll place the paper in there and then I light that sucker on fire and just let it burn. And again, they can be used for fire petitions. It is often advised to keep one cauldron for brewing and one for burning. Cauldrons, because they're associated with the female energy and particularly the womb, on a few cards, for example, I have Marla Brooks' The Witch's Oracle, there is a card in there called Carried Wind's Cauldron, and that one has to do with transformation and the like. I also have a set of Wellness Witch Stones from Raven LePage, and the cauldron here represents transformation, transmutation, uh, let's see here, banishing uh, and mixing herbs and potions. And also for following your primal instincts. Because when you think about it, the cauldron is a tool that has been around for a long time. It's not just like a recent invention. It's been around for thousands of years. Our ancestors used them. So for me personally, while yes, the cauldron is indeed a representation of the womb and a thing of creation, transformation, and things like that. I also like to think of it as a way to connect with ancestors because it is something that has been around for a long time. And that's really all I have for you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Pretty much everything that I found as far as metaphysical said the same thing as far as it being a tool of transformation making potions in it, burning candles. Um, speaking of burning candles, every source that I read said that before you burn a candle, it's always best to have a little sand beneath it. That way, so it does the fire itself doesn't get out of hand, which I think is a good idea. Safety first, always. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I'm sorry if this was a, if that was a bit lackluster, but I did do my best. And, you know, it, it, it's nice to have a good shorty every once in a while, you know, 
this uh, my last couple have been a little longer but this one you know it's not it's not too bad uh before i go i do want to do a quick reading um i don't remember if i tell you because i haven't uh got the balls yet to go back and listen to older episodes of this podcast um but i got a oracle deck from books a million the egyptian book of the dead oracle and it was on sale which is why i got it that and i do love egyptian mythology and stuff like that but the reason why i bring that up is because the reading that i'm going to do here is going to be uh with that deck so i'm going to shuffle it i don't know if you can hear me do that let's see here i've used it a couple times before um so i have a uh one of my goals, I'm pretty sure I already told you, but just in case, is to use more of the decks that I have instead of just going back to the same old ones. And since this one is a newer one, I wanted to, to use it here. So let's see. How about a, a theme for the upcoming week? Because when this comes out, it will be on a Monday. So what do we have to look forward to this coming week? All right. Let's see. Okay. What do we have? Ooh, 22, which is papyrus. Okay. So key ideas are documents, contracts, and secrets. Ooh, secrets. Papyrus was the paper of the ancient world. It was made from the papyrus plant, which grew on wetlands, such as along the River Nile. It was made into thick, vellum-like sheets, perfect for writing on and rolling into scrolls. Papyrus, papyrus, <laughs> papyrus was a valuable commodity and played a vital role in recording the, the history of ancient Egypt, including funerary rites such as the Book of the Dead. The papyrus card symbolizes important documents and legal papers. This card is likely to come up if you are due to sign a contract of any kind, be it a work contract or a mortgage. It indicates something private, but very important to the reader. In some cases, it signifies a secret, the kind that is only confessed to a diary or a journal. In general, this card means that some sort of legal document is coming your way. Perhaps you are in the process of getting divorced, you have applied for a bank loan, or you are looking for work. The papyrus card doesn't say much on its own, only that there are important documents in the near future, so look to surrounding cards for a deeper meaning. And that's all I have for you as far as that. But just in case, let's do another one because uh, it did say look to surrounding cards. So let's do another quick shuffle while we're here, just to see. All right. Thebes, okay, number seven. Let's see here. Key ideas, activity, reverence, worship. The ruined city of Thebes on the Nile enjoyed almost cult-like status during the ancient Egyptian civilization. It was a place of pilgrimage, 
pilgrimage and trade, but it was also his spiritual hub and a hive of activity. Parts of the city were turned to a, into a vast necropolis, where large tombs and cemeteries being built, with large tombs and cemeteries being built, and to honor the wealthy dead. Thebes was a place of reverence and remembrance, where the dead, dead lay at rest in the midst of the living. Huge, huge festivals to honor the dead, including the Egyptian Wog Festival honoring the fall and resurrection of Osiris, was held here held here. When the Thebes card shows up in your reading, it suggests that a time of great activity and productivity is about to begin. At the same time, it cautions you not to forget the importance of worship and reverence, honoring your spirituality in the way that seems most fitting to you. Often when we are very busy, our spiritual practices are the first thing to slide, but mindfulness, meditation, prayer, remembrance, and quiet contemplation are all just as important for your mental well-being and spiritual equilibrium. This card reminds you to take time out for the sacred in the everyday. Go for a meditative walk. Honor your dead. Work some crystal magic. Cast a simple spell. Enjoy a sacred bath or spend time alone with your thoughts in a journal. Slow down and breathe, living the hustle and bustle behind for a while. Hmm, so that's interesting to get Papyrus and then immediately following after Thebes. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the document or whatever Papyrus signifies is coming. Right after that or during that process, you're going to want to spend time for yourself. Yeah, that, that sounds right. So whatever Papyrus brings to the table, whether it's a legal document or something, it's, it's, you're going to need to take care of yourself amidst that as well. And not just like self-care, but spiritual care as well. That's what I'm getting from it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I hope that whoever needed to hear that got that message. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of the Every Which Way podcast. If you could do a witch a solid, please, and rate and review, that would mean a whole hell of a lot to me. It really would. I want this podcast to uh, grow and to reach the people that it needs to reach. And I cannot do that if if y'all don't if y'all don't do that for me. So please, if if you could, it's free and it doesn't take a whole lot of time. And listen, okay, I'll listen. You don't even have to give me a five star review. You can give me a one star and tell me that I like to lick feet. That's totally fine. Just review, please <laughs> rate and review. And I know I hate it when it's, it's annoying when creators are like, hey, click like, share, and subscribe and all that good jazz. But really, they do that for a reason, and that's to help things grow. And that's why I'm asking you to do the same. So if you could, I would greatly appreciate it. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again for listening to this episode. I hope you all take care of yourselves. Seriously, not just self-care, but spiritual care as well. That's very important. Make sure you drink plenty of water, make good decisions, and I hope that you wonderfully amazing witches have a marvelously magical Monday. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.